Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We all take on different roles every day. One minute you're a parent, the next a chef, or a driver. That's why the Volvo XC40 Recharge is designed to be as versatile as you are. It's fully electric and includes a 360-degree camera, Google built-in, and more. Contact your local retailer to learn more or visit volvocars.com US. The Volvo XC40 Recharge. For every you. Some equipment optional. Google is a trademark of Google LLC. Welcome to the Five Year Plan podcast. Um, we're back. You thought you, you thought you got rid of us. We're back about a week later. We just couldn't stay away. Uh, we got a very very special Emre Eze themed episode this week. Hopefully, culminating with him making his England debut at the weekend. If he doesn't, we hope you enjoy the pod anyway. But anyway, uh, Jack Pierce is here. Jack, how you doing? I'm good, Jim. It's just been too many weeks without talking about Emre Eze, and I need to talk about him. So thanks for. Thanks for allowing me to. So uh, yeah, yeah, could be a big week for Ebbs. Could be, could be an England international by the time some people listen to this. Exactly, it's another chance for us to have an Ebbs loving, which we obviously love doing. And we thought we would get an expert on Ebbs to join us this week. So we've got from the fantastic Loft for Words, it's Clive Whittingham. Clive, how you doing? Welcome to the podcast. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. What well, it's warm, isn't it? I'm not used to doing football at this time of year. I'm, yeah. I'm on very glamorous uh, holiday, as you can see, in the Sheffield Travel Lodge. Uh, so yeah, it's it's been a great summer so far. It is. Uh, it's very very hot. Jack uh, Cl- Clive said to me he was up there for the Sheffield Dock. Uh, festival documentary festival, but I heard Sheffield Dog Festival, so we had a very interesting conversation of it. Uh, before the very, podcast. very different events, very different <laughs> events, very, very different events. <laughs> very hope, don't, come, don't come to the wrong one of those. Like. <laughs> no, I, I hope you enjoy whichever one you meant to go to, Clive. So. <laughs> 
so what we thought, Jack, on this episode was we would just talk a bit more about Ebbs's journey because um, there's been a lot of coverage of him this week, obviously with his England call-up. I watched his press conference today uh, on Sky as well. But his journey is a very, very interesting one. A lot of rejection in there, uh, culminating in, uh, I guess, the peak of his career so far um, at uh, at Palace. Um, but what are you hoping to get from this episode today? Just a chance to, yeah, exactly as you say, kind of highlight the the struggles that Ebbs went through to to reach his his peak. And I guess you could, you're, you're right in saying that his peak is is right now. Um, but it's been a hell of a journey for him, and kind of demonstrates the journey that so many young footballers in this country go through. And, and Ebbs is perhaps one of the uh, exemptions to the typical journey where the journey ends for a lot of a lot of young people who have gone through the. The journey through youth football, a number of clubs, rejection from a number of clubs, but Ebbs found his way and it was, you know, via QPR and, and Clive's going to go into detail about how he emerged at QPR and, and then he's, he's found his way to Palace and, and the world is his oyster at the moment. You know, he's entered the season probably, if not the, one of the most informed English players in the Premier League at the end of this season and and is, is a big reason why we're looking forward to another season of Premier League football rather than uh, potentially considering joining Clive's beloved in the in the uh, championship next season. So sorry, yeah. Clive, that, that wasn't a dig, I promise. But uh, oh. yeah, he, he's in a wonderful vein of form, and uh, his England call up was was fully justified. And I'd imagine with Phil Foden and Jack Grealish's last seventy two hours, I think there's probably a chance that Ebbs will be making his England debut against Malta this weekend. <laughs> yeah, I think Jack Grealish is setting a record for the amount of alcohol that one man can consume in a week. Uh, so far, he's doing very well with it. Um, Clive, his Eze's journey around youth football essentially took him to basically almost every London club, bar Palace, actually, ironically. Uh, Arsenal, uh, Millwall, uh, Reading, and uh, another one chucked in there as well. Fulham as well, released by all of them. Then found his way to QPR. At the time, QPR have a reputation of sort of picking up kids from other academies and giving them chances, or was it kind of a last chance saloon for Ebbs? They're taking Jack Grealish to Malta as well next. So what can possibly go wrong with that? Um, it's, it's interesting. I mean, only the coaches will know like what the problem was with Ebbs and why he was released. Um, I mean, you can all sort of draw the stereotype of what a Millwall footballer looks like. And, it, and it's not a creative 10. You know, it just isn't. That's not how they play. Um like whether that's a, a problem with coaching in this country at youth level, as opposed to somewhere like Holland where players like that are sort of looked down upon because they're not doing the hard work and they're perceived as lazy or whether he actually was just like flouncing around up front and doing flicks and tricks and couldn't be part of a team. Like only he will know it was either the making of him or it's to those, to that, that coaching setups detriment that they didn't take the chance on him. Um, QPR's youth setup is uh, <laughs> is it's it's interesting. Um, it's it's got a lot of staff. Um, it's got Chris Ramsey there, who was our first team manager, was at Tottenham. It's got Paul Hall, who's an international manager in his own right. He's the Jama- the Jamaica national team manager and also our youth team coach. Randomly. Um, <laughs> There's there's a lot of people. We've got Alex Carroll as an, an academy manager who used to be at Tottenham. So why you need Paul Hall, Chris Ramsey, Alex Carroll? Why you need all these people? I, 
like nobody can tell and it's not particularly productive um it's also category two surrounded by category one um so i think qpr since as left have lost 13 players i think they said to um category one academies under the ep3 laws and we've received in total about 750,000 for all um for all 13 of those harvey elliott is one of those it left us to go to fulham and is now at liverpool um we've been trying to the club aren't allowed to tell us who they are but you can kind of go through player profiles and work out and they're all at chelsea arsenal whatever so there's a lot of debate about the youth academy at qpr at the minute and you know we've we're about to open a new training ground which we hope will push us on a little bit towards category one because at the moment it does feel a little bit sort of what's the point um and Eze was held up as the big success story it's like that's the point but it's a bit of an outlier at qpr at the minute um QPR are in one of those places at the minute where everything is going badly and everybody's very grumpy <laughs> about it. So it's like it's difficult to talk positively. But um, but yeah, Eze is held up as what we're trying to do: pick up players that fall out of academies, give them the second chance, um, give them a chance in the first team. Which obviously, particularly places like you know in the Premier League, Chelsea and whatever. They're sort of puppy farms, aren't they? They just sit in there, get loaned out over and over again. If you're in QPR's academy, the idea is you do at least get to play in the first team and then you can be the next Abire Eze. It hasn't really worked out really that way since he left, but he's the sort of, that's what we're meant to be trying to do. Was he talked about, did you hear about Eberiche Eze coming through? I mean, I guess he would have joined, he wasn't, you know, a teenage prodigy in the QPR academy because he was at other clubs. So yeah. by the time he came to QPR, he's 18. So I guess he's probably playing the kind of higher level youth football. But were there murmurings about Ebbs pretty soon after he joined or, or yeah. did he go under the radar even when he signed? No, there were a little bit, but that is how our academy is because it's impossible. It's almost impossible, particularly in London as a, as a Category 2 academy, to bring somebody through from eight years of age into your first team because they just get nicked by a category one academy. The rules are so slanted in favor of category one academies. They can literally just come and approach your players in the car park. And it doesn't matter how good that player is or how long he's been there. There's a set formula for how much money you get. And it's not a lot of money. It's all weighted towards the category one academies. So there's never a lot of buzz about 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 year olds at QPR because we just know they're going to get nicked. What we do try and do in the, or we're meant to be trying to do with the B team is pick up players that fall out of category one academies like Eze. And then you start hearing buzz about people at sort of 17, 18. So there was a, there was a little bit um, about Ibiru. Uh, um, and then he, he, he got his debut in an FA Cup tie, which is exactly what we do with the FA Cup, just sling loads of people in and see what happens. Um <laughs> Like, program sellers more, yeah just like it, it's depressing really because like i know it won't you won't like it but like west ham this season i think have shown you know what's better finishing 16th in the premier league or having a cup run it's like let, let's have a cut let's at least try guys come on um yeah he played in a nonsense fa cup third round game when nobody really knew who he was and we lost at home to blackburn which is again something that we do quite a lot um and he only lasted like 10 minutes. He went off. Um, the club did him did him a good turn, said he'd turned his ankle, done his ligaments or something. Um, but he'd actually 
basically gone off with stage fright. He cramped up because he'd been rejected like by these five, six clubs got in at QPR and now he's playing first team. And it was even FA Cup third round against Blackburn, half the ground closed ridiculously in Holloway team selection. I was looking at the team today. It's basically a back five with five other people of which Ebbs was one. <laughs> um, but yeah, he lasted 10 minutes, went off with cramp cramp, but yeah, basically went off with stage fright, um, which they admitted much later on when he was good. They said that that's what had happened. Um so yeah, it was it was a sort of inauspicious start. But he pinned, he tweeted straight after the game, like all things happen for a reason, or some you know footballer nonsense, like back stronger and all of that. But he pinned it to the top of his Twitter uh, feed and left it there right up. I don't know if it's still there, but it was right up to the point that Palace bought him. It was still there, his little post after Blackburn. So it was a nice sort of circle. That's very nice. Very similar chat to Owen Garvin tweeting, I'll still be here after you're gone, which was actually another, about Ian Holloway. Another Ian Holloway reference. <laughs> yeah. This podcast is sponsored by Ian Holloway. Gonna, I, gonna, I, I do love it. Ian Holloway. I do love Ian Holloway, but, you know, he can be hard work. We could do a whole episode on Ian Holloway, to be honest. I mean, hey, it's a long summer. <laughs> Don't rule it out. Most clubs in the UK could, I think, to be honest. It's funny, though, Jack, isn't it? Like hearing this process of, of um, picking up kids that, that maybe haven't made it in other academies, um, knowing that's part of the production line that you then sell them on. This is very similar to where Palace were not that long ago, really. I think we can really relate to sort of QPR's position because that was us not too long ago. It's very weird now to be talking from sort of the other side of the fence as we're having our. Well, best of a spell. Yeah, I mean, Clive talking about Category 1 Academies, I'd remind myself that we are the type of club that Clive's talking about now. We are that academy. We've built what we've built. Um, but we remember but, that time. We remember when you know, FFB usually, came in and we were moaning about absolutely. those academies. And we, and we've, had, we've had bad tribunals. Routledge. Um, Bostock. Bostock, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, the, these these clubs are doing the best they can, knowing full well that other clubs are going to come in and cherry-pick the players that they are you know, building into first team footballers, it's it is really outrageous, and the system should be better. Um, and it, it doesn't provide any degree of equity, and and therefore only really kind of elongates the gap between those that have and those that don't. But yeah, it it's a, an incredible story for Ebbs because he went through so many. I think I don't know if you mentioned South. He had a week on loan at, or sorry, a week on trial at South End. The South End oh, wow. said no, and and but he tells a really lovely story from when he was. Um, Maybe we can we can chuck it in here, but he, he talks about being eight and just loving going. Every night was a different club because, you know, it was picked up very early. You know, eight is quite early. I know, you know, there's always ridiculous stories about the big clubs looking at five-year-olds and six-year-olds, but Ebbs was, you know, only eight when he was picked up and he was at West Ham one night, Chelsea another night, Arsenal. And then eventually his dad did say, petrol's not cheap, son. You know, can you pick one? And he picked Arsenal because he was an Arsenal fan and, and the idea of playing... Um, for Arsenal was just too tempting and he was there for a while but you know I, I think his journey through and you know we'll start to talk about how he got into the first team and, and maybe started to get over the stage fight that Clive talks about but what that journey through youth football would have shown him um, is how resilient you need to be to make it in the game and, and, and even you know if we fast forward to the injury that he had after his first season at Palace there's clearly some incredible inner strength within this guy and 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 that's served him so well. And, you know, he talks about his, his religious faith very openly. He talks about the, the importance of his family and his wife. So he's clearly somebody who holds a lot close to his heart. And it, and it means a lot for him to be as open as he is. So you know, he's clearly got great people around him. And, and that would have served him well when you're getting rejected 
as many times. I, I do wonder how Millwall must look at it now that you know, they they had a guy in in their grasp. He he was. Did he do his scholar with them? Did he finish his two years with them? And that's when they let him go. It's just it's just crazy. But obviously they had their reasons. But yeah, it's amazing to to see that he went through so many clubs and you know how many how many Eberich Eze's are there out there that never you know persisted with the game and. We've probably all played against them at six aside. That's the truth. <laughs> and be like, God, that kid's good. But yeah. He yeah. scored he uh, he scores uh, repeatedly. I mean, you guys don't get to play Millwall, um, but he scores repeatedly against Millwall. Um and Leeds, oh, nice. weirdly. I've noticed that he you you guys have experienced the Leeds thing as well. Yeah, he, he has his, a thing. His first palace goals against Leeds. He has a thing about Leeds. When we were in the when he was playing for us in the championship, obviously Leeds were in the championship, and Leeds are. I, I don't know if you've heard this. They're like massive and uh, <laughs> like European that. champions, and take the most everywhere, and they're just the best, really. Um, which can become sort of insufferable, um, particularly when they're in the championship, and <laughs> your Sky Sports subscription becomes like having a season ticket for Leeds. Leeds TV um, next year, I'm afraid. Yeah. yeah, so we're back to that. And uh, Calvin Phillips is possibly, might actually possibly be the greatest footballer that's ever walked the earth. Um, so we had all of that for a year. And as a sort of seemed to make a point, we beat Leeds at home in the, um, I think we, we're the only team that's beaten a Bielsa team three times in his career at home. Huh. Uh, we that's a beaten... great pub pub quiz question that is yeah too good to check as my old editor would have said um, <laughs> but um, we beat Leeds three times at home and Eze just seems to make a point Calvin Phillips got sent off at Loftus Road in the third one for a horrendous challenge because all the coverage was about Calvin Phillips this guy's going to play for England this guy's going to do that and of course he he did and he is good but nobody was talking about Eze because he was like playing for idiot scum like us who who don't matter. So he, he always seemed to play well against Leeds and and Millwall for the for the obvious reason. Maybe made the Millwall thing may have swayed, you know, Roy and, and Dougie <laughs> Freeman probably was signing yeah. off on it. So yeah, what, yeah. what was his journey after that debut? And you know, sounds a very underwhelming debut. What was his journey through to the QPR first team like? And 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 we know that he had, you know, quite an impactful loan spell away from the club. What what was his his journey through at that point, Clive? Uh, well, in, in true QPR style, he played for 10 minutes in the FA Cup third round, then we never saw him again. And, and we do that a lot. Start of the following season, still Ian Holloway um, in charge at that point. Um, he had a six-month loan spell at Wickham, which QPR have a bit of a connection with them at that time because Gareth Ainsworth was the manager there. But obviously the style of football that Gareth Ainsworth plays... And the, the style of football that Wickham played is not what you are meant to aspire to and not what we were aspiring to at the time. So we kind of, QPR players ended up there almost to toughen them up a little bit and see if they could cope with that. And Eze was easily the sort of best success story of that uh, of that little uh, conveyor belt backwards and forwards up the Chilton main line to Wickham. He, you know, he can get the ball down and play when there is no ball to get down and play. Like it's when it's all going on over your head, he can still. And some of the goals he got at Wickham are, are outrageous. I know there's a couple at Cambridge, which I'm sure you guys are going to roll a clip in of, like the same 25 yarder twice in three minutes, one with his left and one with his right. Skips his way through to Akin Fenwa though, and now Eze, Eze on the volley, goal! Oh! 
That's the but if you go through, like there's one where he dribbles through three players and scores, you know, and this is in a proper long ball team, you know, Akin Fen, where we know what Wickham and Gareth Ainsworth are all about. Um, and we're, we're finding out what Gareth Ains is all about now because we've decided to throw the baby out with the bathwater and actually appoint him ourselves. So we get we're so we're having fun with that with that style now. But yeah, so he went to Wickham, and we didn't start the season particularly well under Ian Holloway. We a bit of a ropey team with when poor. Is, stru- how far back is this club? What, are we 2017, 2018, something like that. Yeah, uh, I've said uh, yeah. Yeah, so we're, we're having a worse start to the season at this point, Jack. <laughs> this, yeah, yeah, this is Frank de Boer time, isn't it? Yeah, you don't know you were born, Clive. This is uh, yeah. <laughs> well, so, you know. So Ebbs is what nineteen twenty, maybe just just yeah. just twenty at that point. I mean, we've still got Steve McLaren to come, guys. You haven't suffered. <laughs> you haven't. You haven't suffered through that. Um, so yeah, we started the season pretty poorly, and obviously Ebbs is doing all this at Wickham. So there's a lot of uh, traffic and noise about what like why is why is this guy over here at Wickham doing this and we're stuck here watching Seb Poulter and Idrissa Silla and Connor Washington sort of <laughs> fall over each other uh, I think we're actually playing Matt Smith up front at that point okay. um you know we used to sort of go two nil down away from home and then on the 60th minute put Matt Smith on and like put him and the goalkeeper in the box and just sort of smack and like Let's lose two what yeah, lose 2-1 at Wigan and we're like, well, it was a brave effort at the end and things like that. So there was a lot of that while Eze was doing all this at Wickham and people were like, not sure about, not sure about this. Um, so under sort of a hail of protest, he was brought back in January and uh, we never picked him. Oh, I'm, just, I'm getting so many. I'm getting P, P, I'm getting Holloway PTSD from, from listening to this. It's taking me back to that championship of season and the first ten games of that Premier League season. Um, I've realised. I've realised. I do know a Wickham fan, comedian called Side Thomas. So I think I'm gonna. I'm gonna send him a WhatsApp and see if he can send us a voice note. Happy lovely. Um, on on time there, and we'll drop it in the podcast. Eberechi is a very excited to see him in the England squad finally. And uh, yeah, really hoping he gets to get some time on the pitch in the upcoming games. Um, being a Wickham Wanderers fan, and like all lower league clubs, occasionally you get a lone player from a club higher up who is an absolute starlet and an absolute cut above, like at an early point in their career. And uh, Eze was one of those. We've had quite a few at Wickham over the years, players like um, Stephen Taylor, Alfie Mawson, Nathan Tyson, Luke Moore, who all went on to have decent careers but started out at Wickham some of their early performances and you can just tell they're a cut above but arguably probably the best loanee we've ever had was Eze um he played about 20 games for us I think he was 18 maybe 19 when he joined us from QPR on loan and you could just tell you know when you see a player and you're like well they're gonna play for their country and Nine times out of ten, that doesn't happen. Maybe 99 times out of 100, it doesn't happen. But with Eze, pretty much everyone called it straight away. Just the way he was on the pitch, he looked like a player, obviously much older than he was, so composed. His skill, always time on the ball, always picking great passes. I think he banged in five goals in maybe 22 games he was with us. Um, some absolute screamers in there as well. And uh, it was just a joy to watch, an absolute joy to watch. And you knew he was destined for greatness, really. Um, Adebayo Akinfenwa was there at the time, 
in the latter stages of his career at the other end of the scale. And, um, you know, he's had a glittering career in the lower leagues and played with so many wonderful players who've gone on to do great things. But he said that Eze was the best player he'd ever played with. So... There you go. An absolute joy to have had him at Wickham Wanderers in those early stages of his career. Um, and it's great. You, you know when you see a former player doing well, you always, you always want them to go on to do great things. So I think Wickham fans are delighted that he's finally made the England squad. Um, as you well know, Jim, my brother Will is a huge Palace fan. So he's absolutely chuffed to have him at the club. And I was really excited when he joined the Eagles. So, um, yeah, what a player. Great that Wickham was a, a little starting point in his career great to have seen him in the in the quarters of the chair boys and um it's an absolute pleasure to see him doing doing so well at palace and now surely going on to even greater things in the england setup as well all right mate hope that helps uh great to speak hope to see you for a beer soon we can toast uh as a success all right lots of love mate bye My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at selectquote.com slash commercials. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. When it comes to business and meeting travel in Orlando, it's never business as usual. Sure, I could go on for days about all the incredible places to hold your meeting or the innovative industries that will make you feel right at home. But Dr. Michael Edwards of Ocean Insights said it best. Orlando is as much a business capital as an entertainment one. And when work wraps up for the day, the evening is just getting started. I'd love to tell you about all the 46 Michelin-rated restaurants or the array of outstanding dishes that'll have you coming back again and again. But executive chef Guillaume Rabin of Lake Nona Wave Hotel can sum it up better than me. Orlando has a world of artisans, so you can try incredible cuisines from across the globe. It's so true. And there's so much more. So dive in and see what's happening in Orlando, where the possibilities for business travel are unbelievably real. Learn more at orlandoforbusiness.com. 2,500 feet! Time to pull our chutes! 25? Did you hear you could save up to 25% off grocery store prices at BJ's Wholesale Club? Did you say save up to 25% at BJ's? Yeah, save up to 25% at BJ's. Whoa, that's like saving up to one-fourth of... Ugh. 
that's going to leave a mark. BJ's. Absurdly simple savings. Shop today. Not a member? Go to BJ's.com slash simple savings. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. It's two league. It's two leagues low. It's league two, so it's two leagues below at that point. Are are QPR fans thinking he could do a job, or that that at that point the gap is too big? Listen, when you're watching Connor Washington play up front, I'm thinking that I might be able to do a job. <laughs> like, <laughs> never mind this guy who's scoring from 25 yards and and whatever. Um, On repeat, to, yeah. Towards <laughs> towards the end of that season. Basically, we thought Holloway was going to get the sack. It was a period of bad results. I think we'd lost 5-0 or 5-1 at home to Nottingham Forest. Matty Cash ran around being wonderful. It was like it was a long afternoon. And we said, <laughs> oh, he's going to get, well, he's going to get the sack now, isn't it? Um, and as it turned out, he was going to get the sack. They'd already decided that McLaren was going to be the manager next season. Um, but sort of with nothing to lose, they slung Eze in just slung him back in and I was like, well, we'll give it a crap. Um, and he scored, uh, he scored a winner uh, on one of his first home appearances at home to Sunderland. Um, that was in the Netflix Sunderland era when Sunderland were sort of catastrophic. So it was a nice sort of free swing, even QPR will beat teams like that. All right. Are we talking the uh, the Chris Coleman era? Do you know how many kids I've got that era? <laughs> yeah, you're calling me a prick. I'm a married man with five kids or whatever. Married man with six children. One of the greatest quotes ever. I just, I can't, someone calls you a prick and you, you tell them that you're not because you're it married with no six. sense. Yeah. Sensational. I mean, and he then walked out on all of them. So, I mean, but that's a different podcast. <laughs> we are, Again, we are it's hoping, a long we, summer. <laughs> we are hoping to have Cookie on. So if you're listening, Cookie, please. Oh, you cut that. Cut that. Sorry. Uh, we've got the Loftwood. The Loftwood's lawyer thought she'd got the summer off, but maybe not. Um yeah, so he scored against Sunderland, but it was in their sort of what they would, what the Twitter people would call their banter era. Um, <laughs> J- Jason still got sent off in that game for catching the ball ten yards outside the penalty box. Like, are you sure? They, are you sure? Have we? Do this team know the rules? Um, so he's got, but it was a lovely goal. It, like it was off a one-two with Matt Smith. He made it look like a one-two, even though I strongly suspect that was Matt Smith attempting to trap the ball. Um, so that was his first goal, and he like okay. Nice. And, you know, he's confident now. Um, And then we had a game away either that Tuesday or the Tuesday after at Aston Villa. Um, Rearranged from the previous week, got snowed off, bumped to the following Tuesday. So there was nobody there. Like the away end was about three, four hundred people. And Villa were beating up the championship, getting promoted. Grealish was playing. John Terry was centre back. Who you know, you may yeah. know that you know we've got a lot of time for him. Yes, yeah, I was going to say it was QPR. <laughs> yeah. I, I yeah, think your, a... your lawyer's calling again, Clive. So that <laughs> he's a big favourite at QPR. Um, and they'd beaten at the weekend. I think they'd beaten Wolves four 0 or four one. The Neves Yotta. 
the oh, Wolves wow. team. That the team that just... won, they won the championship that season. Yeah, they were yeah. steam. And Villa had beaten them 4-0 at the weekend. And wow. we were going there on a Tuesday night. Um, I think we won three away games all season that season. Um, we d- we don't like away games any more than we like the FA Cup third round. <laughs> and we went up to Villa like on a Tuesday night. It was snowing. Um like three hundred of us in the little side away end in the lower tier, and you're just standing there, just basically waiting to watch your dad get beaten up, aren't you? That's like that's that's why we're here. That's our role. That's our role in this. Um, and we tonight, tonight three... I'll be playing lamb for the slaughter. That that time. yeah yeah yeah. And we won three one, and Eze, and it was probably only maybe second or third game at Championship level. And probably only his 20-something game of professional football ever. I've just never seen anything like it of a kid of that age with no experience. Just took over the game, bossed everyone around. Like, I, if, you could, if anybody can find the 90 minutes of that game, it's worth a watch. Because you just like, who the hell is this what we like we give him man of the match on lawful words and like we do a little write up at the bottom for the man of the match and i just put what have we got ourselves into here nine out of ten and we never give a nine it's like it was just oh my god it was one of the best performances i've ever seen from any football for a kid of that age to do that at villa park forty thousand, they're getting promoted 200 qpr fans in the corner goes cold in it like just a superb performance. And uh, we were like out of sight. We're 3-0 up. I think their one came in injury time. Out of sight for the last 10 minutes. So we could just spend the last 10 minutes like rinsing John Terry. All the Villa <laughs> fans had gone. And he could hear what we were saying. And like he kept coming over towards the away end and lifting imaginary trophies like this. As like, Well, no trophy for you tonight, mate. And awesome. like, one of those you weren't even playing in. So... Like, <laughs> Um, famously <laughs> yeah famous so yeah there was also like i'm not going to repeat the chance but there we it was just he as they created this beautiful moment where he'd emptied the ground for us to abuse john terry for 15 <laughs> minutes and like sing all the stuff about his wife and whatever we had a, just a wonderful evening it's probably the last time i was truly happy <laughs> can, I, can i just ask because uh, you know certain clubs have certain numbers that mean a bit more than numbers at other clubs and, and the 10 in the qpr yeah, is is renowned because of who gets. So when did he get the ten? Was it that season or was it after that emergency oh, season? Straight away. Yeah, look, you've never seen a goose being fattened up for market more than because QPR <laughs> need like we need money. We need to sell players. Like we've got tiny ground, tiny support. We're hemorrhaging money. FFP, all the rest of it. We need to be buying low, selling high. Eze is the model that we need. We need loads and loads like that. The problem that they have sometimes is when they get one that they think might be the thing, my God, do they hype the hell out of, the, <laughs> of that thing. Um, so, yeah, like straight away um, that summer, straight away gave him the 10, made a big deal out of it, compared him to Stambols. At that point, he's played what? I mean, he was good at the end of that season. It should be said we also... we destroyed Norwich at our place with Eze just running rings around them. James Madison was playing for Norwich and as Eze was just streets and streets and streets ahead of Madison. Norwich oh. turned up early Daniel Farker. Norwich got destroyed by Ian Holloway's QPR like 4-1. So he was playing well. 
But that summer, it was like, Eze's the new 10, it's yeah. the new Stambol, it's the new Rodney Marsh, yeah, yeah. YouTube <laughs> compilation, YouTube compilations. We had a home friendly against Union Berlin. We got a penalty. He took it. He walked up to the ball, sat the goalkeeper down and top binsed it with his weaker foot. Like, hype off the scale. Hype, like, just hype it, hype it, hype it. Steve McLaren's your new manager. Like, Shall we take the pressure off and see how it... No, like, hammer him, hammer him, hammer him. Like, you are the golden goose. And uh, we lost our first four games of the season, conceded... Let me add it up. 13-14. We lost 7-1 at West Brom. Um, Yeah, lost the first four home games of the season, conceded, like, 13, 14, 15 goals, scored one, ebbs. Uh, in a 2-1 home <laughs> defeat to Sheffield United. Uh, and McLaren then immediately said, if you don't get me loads of expensive loan players, uh, we're going to finish last. Uh, so yeah, then went out and like blew the bank on four or five loan players who he then called his team of men. Oh, um, wow. <laughs> oh my God. It was a long year under Steve McLaren. So. <laughs> I actually do have a Steve McLaren QPR anecdote, which I'll drop in uh, in a minute. Um, which is very random. But obviously, Clive, he's got over that stage fright. I mean, to come back, given that 10-minute cameo, to come back with that kind of explosive form. And actually, Jack, there are parallels, I think, with uh, Jez Raksaki going down to Charlton, having a great, great year this year. And Palace fans start to ask, right, what do we do with him? Does he get another year in the championship? Does he come back and play? But it's clear, Clive, that that spell at Wickham, I mean, obviously did wonders for him, even if it was two yeah. leagues down. And also playing in that style of football. So it's not all going to be built around you, mate. Like we're not, that's, that's not how some football teams work. You're going to have to stand there and wait and you're going to have to make things happen. And he, he was good enough. He, he is good enough to, to do that. Um, and you certainly needed to do that in Ian Holloway's QPR team. Mm-hmm. And you really needed to do it in Steve McLaren's QPR team. Cause they were horrendous. Like, right. You've got to shine in this. I think it's just one of those things where he's such a good player. There yeah. was a goal we there was a goal we scored at Bolton that season where like a ball came over to sort of right to left, someone nodded it down, and Eze sort of set himself on the edge of the box for a cut volley into the bottom corner. And before he'd even struck it, Luke Freeman at the bottom of the picture is standing there with his arms up because he knows he knows he scored. Like it's it's Ebbs, so it's goal. But and he hasn't even sort he hadn't even set himself and he was like 15 yards out and Freeman was like, we've scored. May as well, may as well kick off now. He's done that for a few times for Palace. One stands out from, from last season, just gone against Leeds where Wilf turns the ball around the corner with a lovely flick. And then Ebbs just sits the defender down and the, it's Millie Angle who probably would have let us go through him anyway, but he just, he, before he's even hit the shot, he's like, this done. There's absolutely nothing yeah. I can do about this. Um, yeah, the, the the Wickham spell, um, Adebayak and Fenwo, a man who is not shy from self-promotion, but when Ebbs got his England call-up uh, last week, he did tweet a, a clip from some YouTube channel that he'd featured on. To be fair to him, five years or so ago, and they, they asked him who's the best young player you've played with, and, and he, he name-checked Ebbs at that point and said, this guy's going to play for England, he's that good. And, and that was from a spell of playing with him at League Two Football, so... Clearly, he was showing professional players that he was playing with, that he was going to, you know, if given the opportunity, he was going to reach the stars. And, you know, there'd be a lot of players that would have played against him at that level thinking, thank God, 
<laughs> he is that good because he made me look like a complete dick that day. So you know, it's going to give them yeah. them some relief. Did you come across anyone sort of um, at yes. your level or at a championship that you think <clears throat> can make it in the Premier League? Like, have you got your, um, your eye, your scouting eye? Ebi Ebiri. He's at QPR. He is the best youngster. I've played with in my career. Wow. Wow. Bring an endorsement. Not even, I'm not even... Get a football manager, everyone. I'm, I'm telling you, you know, so. I played the likes of, you know, Michael Jacobs, who's at Wigan, Joe Allen, Jack Stott. Ebby is literally, he plays for QPR now. Where's he playing? What position? Uh, number 10. What level can he get to? How good um, can he become? Prem. He can... Prem, when they were talking about Jack Wilshire and he, when he came and burst on the scene and, and glide past, he literally glides. He come down to League Two and you're thinking uh, he's in the champ. Mm. He's not the bit, he got stuck in, both defending, attacking. And unless, I'm just, for me, I didn't realise. I remember we went to a away game, I don't know where it was, maybe Aki or Grinsby, where you're thinking, maybe it was Cambridge. And it was like, oh, this is going to be gritty. You know? Yeah, yeah. And he, Stood up and scored too well. He's just Boss, him just for me. It, yeah. yeah, you know what I'm saying. And now he's playing. He's playing in the champ at the moment. Yeah, you know, scoring goals. But he for me is the best youngster I've played with. Like it. Yeah. If we move on to maybe his last season, the hoops. Not you know, not to to bring the mood down, Clive. But that <laughs> last season, was there an anticipate? I don't know where he was in terms of his contract or anything like that. But was there an anticipation that the last season, which ended up being affected by. COVID and the, um, the the restart to the season later, so the season lasted a lot longer, obviously, in terms of months. But at the start of that season in 2019, was there an anticipation that this was going to be his last in hoops? Uh, there wasn't even an anticipation, actually, at the start of that season that he was going to be any good. Okay. Um, oh. The previous, the McLaren season went to shit to such an extent Um McLaren basically picked the same start in 11 for every second of every game for the first 30 games of the season. Um, and I, we don't have a lot of strengths in depth at QPR. I will give him that. But at some point, that is going to burn a team burn a team out. And it, and it burnt ours out. Loads of people got injured. Ebb's form went right down. I remember sitting at Brentford, getting done 3-0 at Brentford, which, again, theme of this podcast is something that QPR will do. Um and there was a just a like that typical bloke behind you at the football. And to be fair, the people that sit in front of me at Loftus Road are probably going, "That's you." But <laughs> just going, I don't really understand what Ebire does. Tell me what he does. And you're like, "Oh, fucking god!" Um, so we've had, we've, former... we've, we've, we've had elements of that this season, though, under Vieira with with Ebs. I dare say I, I may have even whispered, not to that extent, but there were question marks about what was happening with Ebbs because when they are firing for him or he's perhaps out of form or carrying a slight injury, his, his class does, you know, disappear quite quickly. So fans naturally will, will pinpoint him, but yeah. I am interested at the end of this podcast to get into sort of what Roy Hodgson has done to sort of, which basically put Ebbs at 10 and let him play. Right. But um, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> uh, yeah. Not rocket science. But yeah, so his form had gone, the team's form had gone. I think we won three games in the whole second half of the season, which again is a very QPR thing to do. Um, McLaren got the sack. Eze wasn't like playing or playing particularly well, wasn't scoring, wasn't even, as far as, I'd have to go back and look, but I don't even remember him being really that much in the team towards the end of that season. It was like McLaren had just flogged him. He's like, I've got one player here. 
he's my best hope of getting anything out of this shower. Every single second he has to be on the pitch. No rest for you. Everything played through you. And he burned out. So the second half of the season was terrible for both the team and for Eze. McLaren got binned off with four games left. Um, and then we appointed Mark Warburton that summer. Mm. But I don't remember a lot of... And, you know, when you're asked who's going to be your star this season, I don't remember a lot of people saying it was going to be Eze. Um, and Warburton came in like the best appointment QPR I've made for years and years and years. And I wish he was still our manager now and just set us up in a way and played a style of football that suited as a absolutely down to the ground. Um, and we went up to Stoke on the opening day of the season, the following season, expecting nothing, expecting to get beat. Um, we got a, a spawning goal in the first 10 minutes off uh, Jack Butland error, which, you know, you guys might be familiar with. Um, <laughs> Just the one, I think, but yeah. <laughs> um, and then at the start of the second half, we scored this goal. Like the likes of which, you know, the cliche, if Barcelona scored that goal, you'd never you'd, you'd never see another goal again. Like out from the back and in and out and out to the keeper. And Eze picks it up about just sort of in the centre circle and slaloms away from this first guy and faces up the centre back and the goalkeeper and shapes as if he's going to play it this way. And then just does that sort of hips, that smooth sort of hip swivel into space he does. And these two people have disappeared and he rolled it into the net. And the QPR club commentary, which is um, Nick London, who's a, who's a QPR fan, and Andy Sinton, 90s yes. legend. Yes. The, yeah, the, com- the commentary is just, oh, <laughs> it was just like... Roll that clip, Jim. <laughs> no, oh, like just... It was our goal of the season. It was in set and it was like, right, Mark Warburton's arrived. This is how we're going to play now. And this kid is, this kid has arrived now. And he just absolutely tore the season up after that. Rangers have taken their goal kick very quickly. Osei Samuel just touches it back to Rangel. Inside it goes to Amos and Hall back to Lumley. Lumley calmly out to Barbe. Slick passing from the R's. Rangel, oh, he just spots the little movement there of Cameron, and Cameron finds Eze. Eze's going to run at the defence. Dilaberry, Eze! Eze! It's funny you mentioned Andy Sinton because he linked my Steve McLaren anecdote, um, which is very, very brief. But I <laughs> I went to keep Yard's training ground and it would have been, I guess, early 2019 to do a thing for Yahoo Sports. And we interviewed Andy Sinton, who was perfectly lovely, to be honest. Uh, lovely guy, isn't he? Yeah. He was, they gave us, gave us time of the day. Lovely. I think uh, he lives, I think he lives down at the training ground as well. But whenever you go down there, Andy Sinton is there. Whenever you go to the ground, Andy Sinton is there. I, it's, it's a very strange existence. Yeah, I can't remember what his, retirement. his role was. Andy, what's your club role here? It's just like, oh, I'm just here. I'm just here. Ambassador. Ambassador. Squatter, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> um, I interviewed Les Ferdinand because he was, he was doing some sort of... I can't remember what he was doing. Anyway, he, he was... Lovely as well. And the goalkeeper, like Joe something, some tall lad, really tall. Joe Lumley, yeah. Joe Lumley, yeah. He was he seemed perfectly nice. Um but we, we got to watch 
the first team training, and it was McLaren taking training. And there was even around the site, only me and Dave, the guy I was doing with, and cameraman producer, but even the couple of the staff around the pitch, there was like whispers of Eze, this Eze guy, this Eze. And I'd never heard of him. And I remember watching him thinking, oh, yeah, he's got, he's got sort of bits about him. Um, the next day, literally the next day, McLaren was fired. <laughs> So <laughs> I don't know if it was our presence at the training ground or something well, like if the it was, did. <laughs> If it was, then thank you very much because uh, that was it was a long old uh, long old nine months with McLaren. We get we go down in the summer and like meet the new QPR manager and do interviews and whatever. McLaren did this PowerPoint presentation in front of us um, with the fanzine. Yeah, with us that he'd <laughs> given that he'd given to the players and whatever. His wow. wow. He, and it was uh, uh, QPR, quality, professional, relentless. Oh, and Brent, I was like, Brent, 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 very yeah. I was, I was sitting there thinking, well, you know, I won't go to the pizza trophy games, but you know, there's some nice grounds in League One. Pizza <laughs> <laughs> trophy, that is incredible. Oh my word. So wow. yeah, he lasted he lasted eight months. But um well, one time a... one time England manager, Steve yeah. McLaren there. Wow. Yeah, what a con- what a country we live in. Um <laughs> the that aura around him, we in that Mark Warburton season, there was uh we went two nil down at home to Stoke, which again, sorry to repeat myself, is something we do a lot. Um and won four two. Like after about half an hour, we just we just scored. We like, oh. And then two minutes later, we scored again. And it was just Eze, Eze. And I said, I said when I did an interview with Mark Warburton that summer, I brought up the Stoke game and said there was that Stoke comeback. I can't even remember what I said. I was like, oh, and that happened against Stoke. And he was like, no, nothing happened against Stoke. Ebire happened against Stoke. It was like, after half an hour, 2-0 down at home, pissing down with rain, nobody cares. Like, Eze was just like, I, I've I've had enough of this, and we won four to like absolutely blitz them. Could have been like five six, and after half an hour, you're like, "This is the worst football game I've ever been at in my entire life." And at ninety minutes, you're like, I never want to be anywhere else. In my, like yeah, yeah, yeah. I just I want to be here watching him do that. He is that type of player, though, isn't he, Jim? Mm. Like that yeah. is you know we went to Southampton together in April, and just the best player on the pitch and that, and you know it, it, with all respect that's a premier league match and he's just decided i'm going to win this game it was you know ambling towards 55 60 minutes and he just decided i'm going to start playing he hadn't had a particularly great first half but he's got it within him that if he wants to grab a game you know himself he can and he's just got that in him and there aren't that many players that can do that and he's got the technical ability to execute it and yeah that's, well, he may, it's, it's just a, play a wonderful you want- player it's a play you want to go to football to watch. I guess yeah. if you wanted to go sort of John Sitton on it, the really good players, as John Sitton would say, want to be good again the next week. Yes. So it's like you, like you said, he was poor for 45 minutes against Southampton, then decided, like he did against Stoke, I'm just going to do this. But to be like, to get where like Grealish has got, and you need to be like that every week. So that, that's his next. That's his next challenge. That's the next step. Yeah, and, uh, I'll be honest. That, yeah. that wasn't the John Sitton quote I thought you were going to say. Well, again, like lawyers and I did, <laughs> like how much swearing is allowed on this podcast? <laughs> uh, I used to edit as, it out, but I can't be bothered anymore. So it's, it's fine. It's I mean, as, it's as John Sitton, as John Sitton says, like, "Don't you have you not examined the words? Do you not realize how profound that is?" <laughs> <laughs> 
It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. It's it's really interesting here this because when we'll come on to when he moved to Palace and when he moved to Palace there was and I've never really seen it before for a player that we've signed and I think a real outpouring of love from QPR fans and it was all like people wishing him good luck and you don't know what player you've got and we love this kid and we hope you're going to love him too. I'm starting to get Jack from listening to Clive talk now a real picture of why of why that was he clearly was the jewel in the in the. Yeah. Well, I'd say in the crown, but it wasn't even that. It was the jewel in in the rough. That's yeah. the, you know, you know what I'm going with that. Yeah, I mean, uh, we before we started recording, we talked about his last goal in a, a QPR shirt, and I'd seen him a few times that season. I'd seen him a few times in seasons before, and always thought, "Wow, what a, what talent he is!" But didn't see enough of him to know whether the consistency was there and 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 the impact that he would have at a high level. I thought that it was quite possible he would end up playing Premier League football. Um, but then I remember watching, and I think West Brom had something on that game, didn't they, Clive? The they it was did they need um, to did they need to get a draw or something to go up. Well, they in theory needed to win to get promoted ahead of Brentford. Oh, and Brentford and chucked I, it away. Well, there was a big debate on our message board about whether we should even bother trying. <laughs> um, Football fandom, they just love it. Yeah, uh, and I. Th- I think Brentford messed up and ended up in the playoffs anyway, regardless they of what did. we did. Yeah, they, they um, lost a home to Bar. So this was this was the end of the extended season. So it's yeah. in front of nobody, and you know there were elements of you know knockabout football at that time because just the eerie atmosphere that was kind of surrounding these games. But that game, what that I remember from sorry, it is Jack. that was yeah, the one where Brentford missed a penalty and then the other team went down the other end. And oh no, no, that was no. That was a good few years no, ago. They Brentford, oh, it, they, okay. they did self-combust that night, though. You know, for for where they are now, Brentford have had their moments where they really have, you know, been their, the masters of their own downfall. But um, I just remember watching that game. I think, <laughs> to be honest, the the powers that be just put football on every night to keep the masses <laughs> entertained. It, it works. Form. It works. It did work. Yeah. And uh, Ebbs, some nice touches, but then again, just this moment where he decided, I'm going to go and do something, and the balls played through to him, and... Sam Johnston was the goalkeeper, uh, and Ebbs just put it beyond the goalkeeper in a fashion that was just, I think the technical term that I'm going to have to use is fucking cool. Like, it was just so nonchalant, and the type of goal that everybody thinks they could score, but hardly anybody on this planet can score, and he did it. And that was his his farewell, wasn't it? It's just a shame, I guess, quite from a QPR perspective, that the last few months of Ebbs in the QPR shirt were without the fans, and, and I guess that's something that fans would love to have had different way really to give them the send-off that the QPR fans would love to have done so with. I mean, Ebb scores goals that other players don't score. Like, can you imagine? Like, it's such a weird finish, that West Brom goal. Yeah. It, what it's not the finish you go for. It's like you try and bend it low into the far corner, don't you? Or do like wafting it out swinging high far top corner. It's just such a weird <laughs> choice to make. And he just sort of made it look like, well, of course that's what I'm gonna do, idiot. Like yeah. Um the I mean the big disappointment of that was 
we won the last game before COVID hit, 3-1 at Preston. Ebb scored a beautiful goal. We won 3-1 with 10 men. We played with 10 men for most of the game. Ebb's decided it won't, it won't be a problem, and it wasn't a problem. We won 3-1 at Preston. We were sort of five or six points away from the playoffs. We went into lockdown for sort of three or four months, and we had seven games left. We had Fulham at home, who was sort of runaway nonsense, and the bottom six. And we're like, well, here we go. Like, we've got this team. Because it like we had Abire at 10. We had Brightasay Samuel to his right, who's a brilliant player, and will come back from Turkey shortly and and everyone will be like, oh, I forgot about him, but he's brilliant as well. He's so quick. We had Ilias Chair to their left, who's now sort of our best player. We had Naki Wells and Jordan Hugel up front, although Wells Wells had left by this stage, but we had Naki Wells and Jordan Hugel up front for the majority of the season. We had like that team goals. should should have done better. It had goals in it. And we were well set to go in the playoffs. And we came back from the lockdown and we lost every game. Like lost one nil at Charlton, who went down, lost one nil at Wigan, who went down. We got done three or four nil at home to Sheffield Wednesday. It was just one of the worst performances I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, got done at home by Fulham. And then that West Brom game was about the only point we got in lockdown, and we finished thirteenth. And you look at that team with Eze in it. This is one of the big criticisms in hindsight of Warburton now is that that was a big opportunity there. And when you sort of quizzed Warburton about why that was, he just, all he could say was it was a unique situation and we didn't cope with it very well. Um, and and I, I guess fair enough. But then you were like, well, if there's another lockdown next season, what would you do differently? And then he would just get prickly with me and be like, well, no, because that implies we did something wrong. And I'm not saying, I don't think we did. It's just that you can't, you use the word unprecedented. Or I was like, well, it wouldn't be unprecedented if it's next year, would it? So what would you do differently? But yeah, it didn't like that. Have you had any uh, follow-up invites to the training ground since this one? Or? <laughs> uh, my my interviews, my, I, we actually got on by the time he left. But yeah, there's an, <laughs> yeah, there's been a few, there's a few clips we conceded goals. For, sorry, we're going off on tangents here, but we we conceded goals from corners a lot under Mark Warburton, and by a lot, I mean like every time it was a corner, it may as well have been a penalty. Like, You've come on the right pod. You've come on the right, <laughs> yeah, right yeah, pod. Yeah. So I'd sort of dug into this in this interview with him. I was like, "Well, why does this get?" And he's like, "Well, he sort of went down the. I'm trying to mark Lewis Graben, who's on forty grand a week, and." Loyal Taylor, who's on 35 grand a week with Connor Masterson, who's on four grand a week and Jeff Cameron, who's like old as Methuselah's Volvo. And I was like, but yeah, but it's like, it's, it's still corners, right? Just like mark up, like what is win the first ball? So it's, he then sort of went into this thing about um, the bonus structure at QPR at that time did include money for and money off your wages if you conceded from set pieces. Wow. Wow. Um, so, but I'd got a bit exasperated by this point and I just said, uh, well, some of these players' overdrafts must be nearly as big as mine. And he lost his shit. Like, threatened to terminate the interview, said, I've brought, I've let you come to the training ground and I've shown you respect and whatever. And I, was, I just absolutely wilted completely. I was, I'm so sorry. Please keep talking to me. What's the biggest challenge for you? <laughs> but yeah. By the time just just before he got sacked, we basically got on. But uh, uh, before that, he hated me. 
That's the same with Jim and Steve McLaren. So it's all good. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I might be invited back. Um, he obviously has a fantastic season, but it ends, Jack, in the most championship way possible. And I'm getting this from Edge's Wikipedia page, the extent of my research on most things. Because um, he was obviously nominated, he was named in the PFA Championship Team of the Year, mm-hmm. uh, nominated for the, and this is the most championship award ever, the Championship PFA Bristol Street Motors Fans Player of the Year, 2019-20. He, he grew up, he was he was looking for that. He grew up wanting that one. That but, they, they, they'll do you a good price, they won't cheat you. <laughs> But it gets more championship because he didn't win. He lost to Luke Ayling. Oh, yeah, that, was, that was not the name I was expecting to hear. You know, he may well win that next season, Luke Ayling. So who knows? You, you do know the uh, the streets won't forget Adelta Apt and all those clips you see in QPR won the league and he got 20 goals and 20 assists. He was the championship player of the year. It's like the best player to ever play in the championship, Adelta Apt. Who do you think won the QPR Player of the Year that year? Jamie Mackey. Almighty, it's a good guess, but not quite. God, Jim. Pat, Clint, Clint Hill. Paddy Kenny won the, <laughs> won, the, won the Player of the Year. You had Adele Tarrat. And the Q, basically, all the QPR fans were like, well, obviously Adele's going to win. I want to give some credit to someone else. But so many people did it that Paddy Kenny beat Adele Tarrat into second place. That, that is quality. Yeah, got to love fans, folks, but... Yeah. <laughs> Democracy so does does not work. Democracy, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a later summer pod. Yeah. <laughs> a criticism of democracy by FYP. Yeah, don't think so. Don't think so. so um, yeah. Go on, Jim. No, no, I was, you don't I think we're probably going to ask the same question, which is at what point that season, obviously he's tearing up, at what point that season do you think, one, this kid's going all the way to the top, and two, this is going to be the last time we see him? Uh, the Stoke goal on day one, <laughs> like, like preparing this, preparing your goodbye on day one. <laughs> yeah, because like we'd seen him previously and suspected, and then you scored that goal. It's a Premier League goal. And you're like, ah, okay, right, yeah, we've yeah. got, we've, we've got one. Like, <laughs> he's a secretary on Ghostbusters ringing that bell. Uh, <laughs> we got one. Um, was, sorry, that, was that also the season where he's, he had an unbelievable match against Hull? In which he just goes and wins a game by oh, himself yeah. as well. <laughs> it was, well, again, like the Calvin Phillips-Leeds thing, making a point of being the best player on the pitch when everyone's saying that guy's the best player on the pitch. Uh, that game was uh, Eze against Jared Bowen. Oh, of course. And Jared Bowen scored something ridiculous, like seven goals in six games against us for Hull. Absolutely sick of the sight of that little... Um, yeah. Um and Bowen scored after about 10 minutes. He chipped our keeper, which at that stage wasn't difficult because it was Liam Kelly, who was about four foot tall, but he, it was a nice goal. And then Eze, like, just have you got, have you ever, have you, there's a YouTube sort of 10 yeah, minute a, reel. There's a compilation of, um, I don't know why Sky put it together, but it was like the best, there's an equivalent one of Michael Elise from the year before he joined Palace as well. It's like two minutes 30 of just players embarrassing other players in the league. I, I guess. This season's one will be like Alex Scott at Bristol City, just players that he, just look no, and cut above. No, he is. Oh, like, yeah. Whoever whoever gets him is gonna be he's gonna be very lucky. But there's yeah. one on YouTube of Eze and it's just that game against Hull. And it's about oh, right. ten minutes <laughs> and it's about ten minutes long. Yeah. They can't like, they can't just, touch him. They just can't touch him. Just never yeah, just one of those games where it's just not even fair. It was it was so good. I'm from up round there as well, so it's always nice to win up there. Um 
But yeah, just insane. I mean, two of the, the two goals he got were both penalties, so it looks a bit like well, yeah. he's topping his account up there. But he did win both the penalties, one of which by dribbling from his own penalty box to the other one, and one of which by dribbling around half the whole team down the side, going down the byline, nearly getting to the goal, checking back out, going round this guy, and in the end, this guy was just like, I've had enough. Like, yeah, straight through the back of him. I'm pleased it is a penalty. I'm pleased it is a penalty. Fuck it. That second one is just like a guy who's really good at controlling a player on FIFA, but doesn't know how to shoot or pass. And he's just yeah. like got the ball for about 35 seconds. So yeah. when 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 he did, you know, Kettle come to the end of that season and he's linked with moves away, we're somewhat going through it with with Wilf at the moment, albeit that he's out of contract and, you know, there's there's no real control of the club as to where he may go if he doesn't stay at Palace. But not to ask you to say it was Palace, but was there a preference when you saw the list of clubs that he was starting to be linked with? Were you, as a, as a QPR fan, thinking, I think he's suited there, I think he's suited there, or he's certainly not suited there? Where was your head at, or did you just not even want to consider the idea that he was going to pay? pay no, we wanted, we wanted the most cash, so but I, I couldn't care less where he ended up. Um, I mean, that's, that's not quite true, because I am pleased that he's gone on and done well. Um, David, David Pleat was in Tottenham's ear about Ibira Eze for years when he was at QPR. And Tottenham were just like, no, 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 weren't sure about it, wouldn't take him. But David Pleat, I know for a fact, like harangued Tottenham and said, you pick him up, pick him up. If you pick him up now, otherwise it's going to cost you £100 million down the line. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there were some late bids after you guys had come in. Um, Newcastle, maybe. But Eze seemed so determined to go to Palace. And I think he actually moved for less money than we could have got from somewhere else. Um, and it was done on the understanding that one, he'd renewed his contract while he was at QPR, which a lot of players, bright to say mm-hmm. Samuel, Ryan Manning, Chris Willock at the moment have not done. Yeah. We've basically developed sellable assets who have run their contracts down and left for nothing. Yeah. Eze renewed his contract sort of on the understanding that we would do the right thing by him. He wanted to go to Palace, so we we did it. And I think we've also got a lot of very favourable add-ons as a result of that, like the sell-on clause, I think is 20% possibly of the whole fee, not the profit. Yeah. Um, and we've got 4 million quid of add-ons, one of which hopefully if Grealish is drunk enough, he'll play this week and we'll get some money off that. So, yeah, I mean, I'm very much in the mode of, uh, you know, without a parachute payment, I think the only way QPR get out of where they are now is developing, selling, reinvesting, um, so I just wanted I wanted him to go and play well and monster the league. I'm so pleased that he's playing for England because you know it means we were all right. Yeah. And when you say the QPR fans seemed like so happy for it, it's because he's a nice kid as well. He's not like a wanker footballer at all. There's all these Top stories. Of, there's all these stories about him doing the you know the church runs on Sunday. Um, Every journalist that has dealings with him, I saw a guy that does YouTube clips the other day that said he went down to film with Ebbs and he's never encountered someone that was just so giving with his time and said, have you got everything you need? Do you need to shoot more here? Do you need to do this? Um, We were walking down South Africa Road one night after a midweek game and like he was going one way and his mum shouted over her shoulder, like, have you got your front door key? <laughs> like we were walking past. It's just like, it's sort of that kind of vibe. I mean, I know QPR are a small time, but 
Um, <laughs> so he's just he's just a nice kid, and we wanted him to do well. But most of all, we wanted QPR to get the like the best money for him, and then reinvest it into three or four more people that could be like that that we could sell on, and we could get sort of moving like Brighton and Brentford and teams like that have done. And yeah. we, we basically. Um, spent it all on hookers and blow and now we're like in a in an absolute oh, not, state, not all bad then. absolute state again <laughs> so yeah it's a, a another massive opportunity wasted but like we really enjoyed it while it was there he was the um because at the time it was the summer before roy's last season and the squad was looking a bit creaky wasn't it jim it was mm. it was starting to look a bit dad's army and you know the the idea of signing a, a youthful, energetic midfielder who had you know creativity abound. You know it was it was quite exciting. So clearly the club did a real sell on him in that you are the first of many, and and you know, they followed through with the likes of Michael Elise and Austin Edward. So you know for him to trust the club, but maybe you know staying in London was a factor because Leeds were another club that were very interested. They'd just been promoted, and I remember going on a Leeds podcast, and they were speaking so enviously that we got ebbs over the line because they'd seen what he'd done to them in the championship and they thought they really like him. But I just remember his debut, Jim, when he came on wearing a Gucci headband. It was the only ever time he wore that Gucci headband. <laughs> I, I, think, that. I think the Premier League told him, you can't wear that. Um, <laughs> and he came on and he made Carl Walker-Peters, you know, a future England international, look very, very silly within the 10, 12 minutes that he was on the pitch. And I just thought, yeah, he's going to be absolutely fine here. And and that first season, he took his time and, and Roy introduced him slowly into the team. But he had some unbelievable moments in that first season. The, the Leeds free kick, the the walking round, the Sheffield United tones in the middle of the pitch. Like it was just it was just great to see him. And he and he really started to flourish as the season went on, clearly, you know, learning so much from, from Roy and Ray, who I note that he's actually name checked today in terms of the the reason for, for his England call up. But Jim, what what do you remember from his first season, mate? I remember we had uh, James Alcott came on the podcast, a YouTuber and presenter and QPR fan, and we asked him about Ebbs and, and, and all very sort of similar questions, but we asked him about positions. Mm. And I think he said something like, play him at 10, don't play him out wide, don't waste him, play him in the middle. And the first thing Roy does is stick him out wide of a midfield four, similar to when Ruben Loftus-Cheek played for us. And actually did very well there, and I wonder if that's why Roy did that, because Ruben really flourished there. Um, so I remember at the time thinking, Oh, okay. Well, this is annoying. And then he has a couple of flashes, like those goals. And the Sheffield United goal is absolutely superb. But I remember feeling quite disappointed that we weren't. And it's taken a couple of years now to get him to 10. But would you have agreed with that, Clive, that that is basically the way to play Ebbs, is to give him that freedom of that number 10 role? Yeah. You've got to to play him down the middle, play him at 10. Um, But like I said uh, a little while ago, the interesting thing to me is when you guys sacked Vieira and brought Hodgson in, we all did a bit of an eye roll on our message board thinking that it was going to be 4-4-2 with Ebbs out wide again. And actually the first thing he did was second time around, Hodgson came in and stuck him at 10 and like Palace suddenly started carving the whole league up. So, so I'm interested like those two juxtapositions of Roy Hodgson, like the before and after is like, well, I'm, when he first had a beer, like stuck him out wide, which is, is not his thing. And then when he came back this most recent time, which I thought was sort of a backwards move from Vieira, he stuck him at ten, and Palace were much better for it. I, I don't know. I was sort of puzzled by that by that whole. I think what we contradiction really. What we've learned with Roy, and this is the truth, truth about Roy at the start of his first start at Palace, and then he's proven it again towards the end of of the season just gone, is if he has good players, we play good football. 
And if he's got players that can supplement good players by playing them in their right positions, like being able to play Ebbs in the 10 rather than having to stick him out wide because we've got no one else that can play out wide, then he lets the best players flourish. And I, th- I can't remember which game it was after, maybe the Bournemouth one where he, he, he bagged twice. But the, the interviewer just said, you know, explain it. How, how's your form turned so wildly? And, and he just said, freedom. I've just been given the confidence and the freedom to play football. Um, and, and Roy, when he has checked a core, he's, he's built Jeffrey Schlupp into a Premier League midfielder again after, you know, someone who was doing an impression of one for much of last season. And he, that midfield three just allowed Ebbs to, to play in that kind of 10. I, I, I kind of get lost as to where the 10 is now, 10, 8, you know, somewhere in the middle, really. But when he's able to kind of push on and be the goal threat that he naturally is, um, he's explosive and, and so exciting. From the first day I met them, they've been sort of improving me as a person, as a player, and helping me grow and understand more about the game itself. And I feel like it's just opened my eyes to to more. And I feel like I've grown so much just as a person, how to carry yourself and how to see things, understanding that it's not about as much the short term, it's about long term and thinking about making decisions that will best serve you long term. And I think that's something that stuck with me from from when they spoke to me about that. So, And it's put me in good stead now. To see from what he what he did um, throughout all that time, how effective he was, the influence that he had on the players, and the mindset, the confidence, the freedom that we all had and played with, it was something that we sort of hadn't experienced for a little while. So uh, again, I'm, I'm hugely grateful to them. I think you could see in the performances every weekend the the confidence that we were playing with and the freedom that we had, but. For sure, day-to-day, seeing him around the place and seeing how he takes to each individual player, and it's, it's, it's a lot, man. So, again, I'm grateful. I see him as someone that's, that's helped me so much, that's put me in a position to, to express myself. From, from an outside, and, and Jim and I have talked this through throughout the season, really, about Patrick Vieira's misuse of him. Was, was there a feeling from the outside of, why is Ebbs not impacting games more? Or And, and was there any blame apportioned at, at Ebbs, or was it considered that Vieira was, was misusing him? What was your thought on Ebbs' form well, back in the first part know, of the season? A bit of Vieira is uh, faultless. It's, it's never... Well, no. we, we all agree. <laughs> I, th- I thought the v- I actually thought the Vieira sacking was quite harsh. I think if you, I mean, you you guys know far more about it than me, but I thought you'd had a very tough run of fixtures that he'd perhaps been a bit conservative through while playing against good teams, and then you had a run of ten games coming up that you would probably have quite fancied, and maybe if he'd been given that opportunity, he might have done the same thing and gone and attacked those. But you know, you guys would would know more about it than me. The thing that I want to see more the sort of the theme when we're talking about the goals he scored and the good games he had for palace we're talking about leeds bournemouth like yeah that's what i i want to see him like move on another level 
and like win you a game at Old Trafford or something like that. And my favourite performance of his that I've seen of his at Palace was at Liverpool. Um, he set oh. a goal up. He set a goal up for Zahar. Yeah, yeah. it was so so good at Liverpool, and that, like our WhatsApp chats were buzzing. Like, are you watching? You're watching Palace at Liverpool. Eze's doing it. He's doing it. He's doing it against Liverpool at Anfield. He's doing it. He's doing it. It's happening. It's happening. Like, ring your friends. Um, <laughs> so I want to see like as he moves on and you guys move on. I want to see more of that. Like the really big games away from home against like great sides, like yeah. him going. That's when you sort of morph in like. In the 90s, when I started watching QPR, we had Les Ferdinand up front, and he would do that. You'd go to Anfield, you'd go to St. James's Park or whatever, and he would be the best player on the pitch against the best team in the league at that point. So I want that's what I want to see. Like Southampton was a good game this season, but Southampton have got relegated. Yeah, Bournemouth, yeah. good game. Yeah. I want to see that next. Absolutely. Um, and I, I think, Jimmy, you and I may have even mentioned this on a previous episode, but of, of his 10 goals and three assists this season... I think maybe one goal and two assists or vice versa were against top half teams. So clearly he's got, he's got the the beating of teams in and around us. And that's really important. That's what gets you the points to keep you up. But yeah. I think you're right. Like that for, you're seeing it from the outside is something that we want from the inside of the fan base is able to go and take games on. And if utilized properly next season by insert manager here, um, then that may well be the case. I think any manager that comes in, whether it's Roy who's retained for another year or not, we'll see. But that ability that he's demonstrated over the last two months of the season, if utilised properly, you've got an unbelievable player there and you can build upon the form he's shown already and then you'll see him, as you say, go to Old Trafford, improve yeah. upon the performances at Anfield last season. But, so, yeah. so I know it's a dirty word, but you know, you guys were nice about Brentford a little while ago and I'd sit and listen to that. So, but, so the reason that Brighton are getting... 50 60 million pound for players is because they've actually kicked on into the top 10 and are winning at man united liverpool and their players are playing well in those games yeah yeah so for for palace and ebbs that's got to be the next thing hasn't it otherwise you just well you become sort of burnley or exactly. or, or, or whatever yeah yeah, yeah. It's an interesting one we, we jim we glossed over but we kind of going on to monta just the impact of that injury. And I don't think we need to dwell too much on it, but that injury, I guess, is being discussed a lot because of how close he was to the England call-up that he would have got. Um, and now we're at a point where he's going to hopefully make his debut this week. But I remember the day when the messages were coming through because I think it happened to be the day that the club announced that Roy was leaving at the end of the season and it was also kind of mired in the news. that what was it? Torn his Achilles. Yeah, I remember WhatsApp groups being... A buzz, but what are your memories of the news coming through about that injury and, and where was your head at? Who, me? Yeah, yeah. Um, can't really remember much to be honest. I didn't, I, I guess none of us were aware that Ebbs returned to the changing room or medical center or whatever to find the text message from the FA calling him up. Um, I believe that's how it went, which that's, is, I mean, yeah, when, yeah. however it went, it's devastating for him. Um, I remember the next, however long it was, it was about a year until he came back or just under, of the constant rumours of, oh, I've just seen so many people bumped into Ebbs at away games. <laughs> oh, no, I'm back in three months. Oh, no, no, I'm, I'm doing better than, oh, no, I'm back in six months, I'm, whatever. And obviously you end up taking as long as it takes to recover from that injury then because it's a devastating injury. And I believe, none of this is true, that it he did it on the training ground doing 
that classic ebbs kind of move you know where he does that sort of shimmy goes down one low one way and did that really low sort of spin and he sort of did it doing that so i was slightly worried that that would impact on and it's funny you know hearing about the early on in his qpr career the stage the stage fight stuff that would have a mental impact on him in terms of being able to try and do those kind of skills again um and obviously it hasn't he's got back to where he is now but it was i think it was just you know, Clive's right. He's such a nice young lad. You, you just feel sorry for people like that when it happens. You want, you know, you want them to do well and you want nice people to prosper. And so I think it was just a very disappointing time. But it brings us full circle, Clive, doesn't it? Because it, it adds that kind of an extra layer of narrative to now him getting the England call up. You know, and I saw there's a really, I'll put a bit of this Sky interview in this. I don't know if I can, but I'm going to anyway. Uh, this week. And he talks, the reporter asked him about these injuries and he talked about, I think he actually said, I'm glad they happened. Or I'm glad that injury happened because it pushed me on. It gave me the resilience to to get to where I am now. As I said, it's, it's been a long journey. It's been a long road. Um, I know that I've improved in sort of all round as a person, as a player. Um, and I don't know if I would be in this position now if it wasn't for that injury. So I sort of see it as that's just part of my journey, part of my my story, and I'm I'm grateful that it happened how it did. Which I guess gives you another sort of insight into this, not just resilient, but it's clearly quite a intelligent, down to earth, smart young man who's only twenty four. I think he's got the uh, the strict uh, parent thing going on. Um, there was a load of chat early in his days at QPR about whether he was going to pick Nigeria or England. Um, he was asked about that today, actually. Well, it's a press conference, yeah. So, I, I mean, I think England have been quite cynically trying to get him a cap um, as soon as they can to remove that possibility because they've lost one or two recently, haven't they? Is it Balogun went and played for USA? And yeah. yeah, and Southgate got a bit has got a bit of grief for that. Um, so there may be a cynical sort of aspect of wanting to get him in as early as as that when he uh, when he had his Achilles thing. But when he was asked about it at QPR, he he basically said in not so many words, like I've spoken to my mum about this, yes. and and she's told me that you you focus on QPR at the moment, and all of that talk is like we you know when we will not be talking about that, will we, Barry? <laughs> so um, so yeah, I think he's got that sort of strict upbringing, like. Keep your head, keep your head, uh, keep your head down, feet on the ground, and all of that. So all of that cliched stuff. Um, so yeah, but it's it's a nice jacket. It's a nice, you know. Here we are again. Ebbs, hopefully now going to pull on that England shirt. Yeah, and it's a nice story. It's funny actually. Throughout this whole episode, I've been thinking about when Wilf left Man United in 2013, and there's so many parallels with that. A loved player going on to the next level. And remember, most Palace fans. Wishing him well, thinking fair enough. He's he's he basically got us promoted single handedly. Wish yeah. him all the best, and uh, being in that weird position of keeping an eye on Man United scores, which is not a position any of us want to be in, and watching their pre. I remember watching their pre season game over in the Far East and stuff, <laughs> and trying to see is Wilf going to get a, you know seeing what Man United fans are saying about Wilf. But you do get well, attached to these players. We do we do that uh, if Palace are on, we watch. But and I mean the the sad things about it are we've wasted the money first of all. And second of all, Palace are one of those clubs like Brentford, Brighton, um, Luton now, my God, who have been below us or level with us, who we've been playing in league games, 
who we've been beating and have now just gone on to this different level where they're able to just come and nick our players and play Premier League football and play in Europe. You look at what's good. Like, I remember seeing QPR win at the Withdean Stadium and now Brighton are this, like, one of the best teams in Europe. <laughs> and QPR have just sort of allowed themselves to stagnate. And that's, you know, I love Abiri and I love that he's gone on and done brilliantly and I, I hope he continues to do that. But I'm gutted we've wasted the money and I'm gutted that we're now selling players like that to Palace. Whereas, coming back to the start of the conversation about QPR in the 80s, we used, we used to nick Nick players the other way, like, and there's so many clubs. There's so many clubs like Palace that have just gone past us in so many ways. That's the depressing thing. Not losing Eze, it's the fact that we've wasted the money and the fact that we're losing him to a club that, even like, what six, seven years ago we were coming to sell us part and winning. So that's the disappointing bit, bit about it from from our point of view. And that's well, that's you know you're in the Premier League now and I'm in the Sheffield Travel Lodge and you know so. <laughs> Going to the ship of dog. Um, but but Jack, I think we we understand that because, and I'm being a Palace fan for thirty years. I'm I'm very aware of the fact that your good times can be short, and things can change in football so quickly. And we've been there where players have been signed by bigger clubs, and so I think we're. I'm very acutely aware of the fact that this is a great time for us, but we could well be back where we were before. And so we're trying to enjoy the times, enjoy players like Eze, because actually if Ebbs has a brilliant season next season, we, we could well be selling him on to someone else. Enjoy Elise. Could you, could you, could you do that? Could you do that? Like, <laughs> could you do that like now? So we, got, we so, so we can rescue us all over again with his 20%. With his 20%. Yeah. Like, he's saved us once. Like, could you like tempt Not... Newcastle into spending a hundred million quid on him and rescue us all over again, please. It might be the case next summer. I mean, not not to kind of rub it into Clive too much, but you know, Ebbs is one of three Palace players in England squad this this week. And that, that's another sign that Palace are... Not the three you'd players. expect. Not the not three you'd think. No, no, but it's okay. Sam Johnson, he's, he's at his He's, he's at done well, he's done right. But, but what I would say is anybody that's ever thought, oh, I wish Palace would go down. I, I, I missed the championship. Just replay this podcast and <laughs> listen to Clive. That's all I would say. And um, yeah, I, the, I had, I had hair. Clive. I had hair. Like, <laughs> look, this is what the championship does to a person. Right? You, and you signed a. You signed, Did you sign a lease at the same time as Eze? No, a year. A year later. Yeah. Because we'd obviously played against him for Reading and been like, "Wow, yeah, now this kid can play." Like. He absolutely like carved us up for Reading. Brilliant player. We're like, whoever gets him is gonna. Oh, it's Palace again. <laughs> they're doing they're doing smart stuff over at Palace. But the two of them. I mean, as you said, Clive, you never know how long you have these players, and I think we just need to save them because yeah, Ebbs has got two years on the contract. There's been kind of moots moots. Am I making moot? I don't know what I'm trying to say. But there's been mention of extending that contract, and it hasn't really been happening. So. Two years quickly becomes one year. So who knows how long we have Ebbs for, but I think the three of us can agree that he's one hell of a player and and he could very well go to the top. He he really if could. You, if he, you know, turns it on next season more consistently throughout the whole season, who knows where we might be um, thinking he, he could be playing at the start of the following season. Who knows? If, if you guys release him on a free transfer, I'll kill myself just so I can haunt you. <laughs> <laughs> so What's 20% need, of nothing? We, what? Knowing our luck, we'd probably end up owing you money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How dare you let him run his contract down? Yeah, that'd be great. He he didn't run his his QPR contract down, but he, he ran his 
Alice one down. Um, yeah. yeah, that would be that would be very awesome. It's been lovely. Uh, I've got to say, it's been lovely just talking about one player because obviously when we do weekly episodes, yeah. we end up having to kind of spin around the whole team and talk about everyone, good or bad or ugly. It's been lovely just to talk about Ebbs, and I hope, Clive, it's been nice talking about Ebbs. Um, well, I, I clearly wasn't doing anything else tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Clive, thank you so much for coming on and it it has been nice talking about one player as well and I think actually it should just be nice to remind ourselves, I mean we know what a player he is, but just like what a player he is what a nice kid he is and that for me is, I find that disproportionately important for some reason with footballers Um, and how far this kid can go Um, so it's just been, yeah, thank you, I think we should do future episodes Jack on Individual players because it's, it's, it's a really nice it's a really nice chance for us to actually and, and spend. Clive's been great, so even if they never played for QPR, let's have Clive back. Yeah, it's been an absolute blast. I'll get, well, we could do you know we could do the John Terry episode. We could you know share, our league, share, no, I can hear share, our, our legal advisors are saying that's a no go. I'm afraid so. share share our love of Lewis Dunk. We've got a bit of history. Got, oh, history, got okay. a bit of history there. So I was uh, going to say we could do the Clinton Hill episode possibly. Ah. Oh. Love Clint Hill. Well, there we go. Um, we all we all share love at Clint Hill. Um, I wrote I wrote an article when we signed him that said um, it was one of the worst signings we'd ever made. It was typical Warnock jobs for the boys, and we should have signed uh, Dusko Tosic instead, who we'd had on loan from Portsmouth the previous season. Who like presumably went on to great things, but I haven't checked. And uh, you were telling Mark Warburton what to do. Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, Clive. Final thing I'll say. Is if you're if you're in Sheffield tonight, it's possible you'll see Clinton Hill walking the streets looking for a scrap. So you know, who knows? <laughs> Thirteen years on from Hillsborough, <laughs> there's a lot of overlap, isn't guy. there? We could talk about Warnock. We could talk about Sean Derry. There's a there, there's Sean a, there's Derry. A fair old, yeah, there's a, long, a fair old overlap. Isn't a long, there? Gary, long, long summer. Gary Gary Borrowdale. Do you reckon you could spin? Could you I, play, I, played spin foot, I played football with him at the weekend. <laughs> oh, I strongly suspect you were a better player. <laughs> uh, very nice guy. Very nice guy, but doesn't play football anymore. Um, so, or, or no. back then either. <laughs> play football in 2006? <laughs> no. <laughs> anyway, Clive, thank you so much for your time. It's been absolutely brilliant walking down memory lane. So really appreciate it. Thanks for your time. Cheers, guys. Uh, Jack, thanks for being on. Uh, you pitched this episode. It was a great episode. We'll do more of them in the future. Uh, thank you. I enjoyed it. And it was lovely to, uh, to talk through one of... Probably my favourite Palace players of all time. Who, who knows how far he might go up that list, but I, he's just made such an impact in his time at Palace. Lovely to talk about him. And, and Ed, if you're listening, best of luck this weekend, mate. Indeed. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. We're back again, well, over the course of the summer at some point. Until then, take care. See you again soon. Time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Podcast Network.